When Augusta National announced that they would be establishing scholarships at an HBCU, Payne College, in the name of Lee Elder, the first black man to ever play in the Masters, it was a big deal. Local news covered it, national news covered it, we at golf.com covered it. It was one of those stories that you kind of hoped would just last longer than one week. And it did. Cameron Champ, the young, long, bombing, two-time PGA Tour winner, he saw the news and was inspired by it, enough to take action. Champ decided to establish similar scholarships at Prairie View A&M, another HBCU, just weeks later. We at the Drop Zone are pretty darn impressed by that, and we were pretty impressed by Champ's 2020 season overall. So we reached out to see if he wanted to talk about it, and he did. You'll hear that conversation today, as long as some other good stuff, right here on The Drop Zone. Folks, this is Sean Zock here with Dylan DeChair. I was unable to make the phone call with Mr. Champ, but Dylan, you talked to him for about 25, 30 minutes. Uh, what did you want to find out? What did you ask him? He's a hot commodity. I mean, the guy just got married. He's playing a PGA Tour schedule. He's got a lot going on, so we didn't get a ton of heads up of when cameron was actually going to be available um but let's see it's funny i feel like a, i feel like a broken record answering this question about various guys that we've had on here because i think we might have a drop zone type which is really talented <laughs> pga tour pros who we don't necessarily hear speak like that honestly i feel like i said the same thing when we had xander Shoffley on but it's you know cameron yeah. champ is a guy that we have seen and paid quite a bit of attention to but he's not someone that you've really seen like let loose you don't see him sit down and interview and and really say what he thinks you can see the wheels turning as he's speaking he always makes sure to be careful he's thoughtful with his words and he doesn't say anything that he doesn't really mean so i wanted to break that down a little bit i was hoping that by getting him at home we get him a little bit more relaxed and uh, and just get a sense of, of what he's been up to, how he's feeling in the off season, and of course the work that he's been doing with his foundation and, and generally with just speaking out and becoming a leader on the PGA Tour. Yeah, that's what I was most interested in because uh, I'm pretty impressed with Cameron Champ. Uh, you know, obviously the golf speaks for itself, but the the way he's decided to be a bit of a leader in the golf world is something I really like to see. So. Anyway, let's get to that convo. Uh, just so everybody knows, Cameron was in transit a little bit during our call. So the audio quality, it ebbs and flows a little bit. Hopefully the conversation is worth sticking around for, even if it's a little scratchy here and there. Anyway, here is Dylan and Cameron. All right. Hey, Cameron, let's see. It's the week of the Mayakoba Classic. And actually two years ago, we were both in Mexico hanging out Um doing a cover shoot with Sam Burns and Joaquin Neiman. And uh, a lot has changed since then. Yeah, no, it, it has. Yeah, that's crazy. I think it's already three years ago. So, yeah, I just got married uh, last week. I was going to say congratulations. I don't know if the, I don't know if that's like official social media news yet. But, yeah, congrats. I heard you were getting married. How was it? Yeah, no, it was great. It was, uh, it was perfect. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, we're just waiting on some pictures so I can post some things, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, perfect. That's awesome. So I think you've got one event left this year, the QBE shootout, but it's kind of winding down and feeling like the off season. Do you get some sort of little honeymoon off season break type thing? Well, I guess kind of, um, but obviously with, with COVID and everything going on, it's, 
it's pretty hard to do anything like that. So we're just we're just gonna yeah. hold off, kind of wait and just see how uh, how things go, and hopefully by you know May or June we can do something. We want to go overseas, so obviously right now that's not the not the smartest choice. We end up going from you know a house in the suburbs to buying some property, so nice. Uh, kind of just more us. I love it. You 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 can fix the world's problems on a mower, so <laughs> something about working with your hands, and it's a little different from golf, where golf you can practice and practice, and maybe you get better. But if you work hard enough, it's something that you're just building. Then probably it's going to eventually get done. Correct. Correct. Um, so how do you think about this year golf wise? Obviously it was a weird year for everyone in, in basically every way possible. Um, but, but just for you in terms of your golf, how do you reflect on it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a great year. There's a lot of positives to take from it. Obviously my ultimate goal is to make the tour championship and I did that. And so obviously we lost about six events, um, you know, with, with COVID and the quarantine, but I was able to play consistently well, you know, after we came back. With everything going on, I tested, I had a false positive and all that craziness went on. And luckily I was able to, to get into Detroit last minute. And obviously I took 12th there and I was 16th. So uh, to, to come back and again, just to be able to play consistent and make it through a championship for me, that's just, you know, a, a bunch of positives to take from the year and just move, moving forward. Tell me a little bit about being at the Masters. This is your first time to Augusta National. Obviously, no fans this year, so it was a little bit strange. Um, I was out there. You had to tiptoe around a little bit more than usual even maybe because, you know, trying to stay, keep your distance from people and everything. But it was also a cool chance to see the course without anybody there. So I'm curious what that was like for you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was amazing, you know, being my first Masters. Um, you know, I think it definitely sucked not having fans. So obviously, I think the fans make that event what it is. So, you know, people, you know, all the guys that played with Carson tell me, oh, man, you, you can hear, you know, you know who's in front of you or you know who's three groups ahead of you. And you know, when you hear a roar, that means something happened. Um, you know, it's just it's just the atmosphere of the event and how, you know, people crowded on 12, on 16, on you know, just all the holes they're, they're saying how the holes just don't look the same without fans. I mean, again, just playing in my first Masters, again, being in the field and not watching it from, from your couch. Um, obviously, I'll take that every single day. So, um, again, it was an awesome experience. I was able to have my fiance at the time, now wife, um, there with me since we're only left one person. So, at least to have her there with me um, was awesome. That's super cool. Well, and you played well too. Do you feel like Augusta is a course that that sets up well for you and a place where you're going to play well for a while? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I played really well that week. I mean, if I took away two holes and I played them even par, I think I would have finished third alone or something. So mm-hmm. um, that's just some positive to take from. I mean, it's obviously a you know, like you said, people don't realize the few holes, how they play, and obviously being my first time, and again, course conditions weren't normally what they are uh, normal April, but just all in general, the way the course sets up for me, you know, it's a very ball strikey, I think, type course. If you can place it well, if you can hit it off the tee well, it sets up very well for me, so... Um, and we saw that throughout the week. All right, and then last thing, and then I really want to get to your uh, your foundation work, but I'm curious if you're caught up in the, you know, all the talk about the distance race. I'm curious if you're like the pitcher that can just, you know, hit 105 and then he doesn't need to talk about it, or if 
if you ever are tempted to say, hey, wait a minute, I've actually got more in the tank uh, that you guys don't even know about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, the whole distance thing, is, again, I, I get what people are doing and need. Obviously, I was, whatever, Bryson, I think Bryson beat me by like .1 last year. But again, most people don't know I play a 43 and a quarter inch driver. Mm-hmm. So I'm two inches short of standard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and I'm swinging at that speed. So it was just something I did. Really, last year I was playing at, at 44 and a quarter, and then last year during New York in the playoffs, I ended up. I was like, you know, I want to try to hit a little straighter. I'm not really going to lose much distance. Um, but let's just see what happens, and that's what I was playing with. So, um, but I've slowly started to kind of mess with, you know, standard length driver, which feels very awkward since I've been playing such a short driver for so long. Uh, but obviously my ball speed and swing speed has gone up dramatically. Who's there to help make help you make that decision? Is that your call at the end of the day, or, or like who's your team of advisors to, to figure that out? I mean, it's really my call. I mean, obviously, you know, Sean and, and the people in my team will obviously give me, you know, advice on what to do and obviously definitely do it during the right time. Not, obviously not during a major week, but during just a regular event that, you know, I might say, and see how it goes. You know, if it backfires, it's not a big deal. We have a, we have the next week. So, um, but just me playing with it enough at home um, and seeing how it goes. But again, you know, for us, I'd never really switch stuff like that just because you never know what a club is going to do until you play in a tournament. So yeah. you can hit it well at home. You can hit it well on the range. But once you get on the course, for me, I. I swing it about three miles an hour faster in tournaments than I do when I'm at home. Yeah. Wow. I can never, I can never get to 132 at home without swinging out of my shoes. Huh. But then when I'm, but then when I'm in tournaments, I make the same swing, and my swing speed is, you know, when I feel like I'm going at one, it's 132, 133, but I'm not coming out of my shoes. Interesting. Is that just adrenaline, or is that like you're you're fully warmed up, or what is it? I don't know. I've just always been that way. I don't really think it's adrenaline. It's I've always been that way, and I know obviously with my physio, with Doc, you know, getting my body in, in the proper, I guess, shape for that week, whether you know tweaks and stuff and getting me loose definitely helps making sure I'm rotating. But that's just that's just how I've been. You know, whenever I'm in the hunt or I'm playing well, um, like I said, that could be a mix of adrenaline, but just naturally, I've always been just a little bit faster on the course. Alrighty, so we got some good stuff from him there, I thought at least. Uh, Dylan, can we discuss the distance part? Yeah. Because I don't I don't understand why I mean we are certainly part of the, the blame here, but why no one automatically just lumps in Cameron Champ whenever we discuss Bryson DeChambeau. Maybe it's because Bryson is you know, just doing this different. And this is always how Cameron Champ has been. He's always bombed the ball. But it feels like we're ignoring, you know, Aaron Rodgers because Pat Mahomes is incredible when it comes to distance. Like, that's what that's what we're doing here. No one's talking about Cameron Champ just because Bryson's been incredible. Well, I mean, the comparison would really be if Patrick Mahomes was not the talented quarterback that he is, but if Patrick Mahomes rebuilt <laughs> yeah. his body and entire self to be able to throw the ball at maximum effort the same distance that Aaron Rodgers throws it, you know, with a flick of the <laughs> wrist. 
which uh which you know is is not i'm trying to think of who the comparison would be like chris sims or something but um (laughs) but the thing about it is like everything that bryson has done to get himself to this distance point champ is subtly saying look i can already do this without trying like bryson's talking about going to a 48 inch driver ah camp champs like yeah i went down half an inch to 43 and a half he's he's basically choking up on the baseball bat um and he still is keeping up with bryson i don't know i mean we've talked to a few guys this year just around tour who have essentially said yeah look camp champs still has more in the bag than bryson does and he does it while a swinging down on the ball um so he's not he's not (laughs) you know optimizing for distance whatsoever and then b having this shorter driver and and just making it look smooth and effortless so it really is something we should not forget about yeah we definitely shouldn't forget about it but i guess the point that some people will make it's like it doesn't matter if you have that extra gear yeah cameron champ if you don't use it like what does it matter i know you know cameron said that bryson beat him by 0.1 uh in total distance uh distance average i guess last year which is nothing really over the course of a pga tour season but you know bryson's got he's got the championship belt and Mm -hmm. if you look at this new young season, Bryson's already leading with over 330 yards. So I just found it very interesting that we kind of forget about this guy uh, who's just kind of doing it so smoothly. I want like, him to unleash more. Difference? I want him to, I want him to yeah, use this same. to his advantage. Like if he took a little bit of that Bryson mentality and said, I'm actually going to try to just hit it as far as I possibly can out here. You know, where would he get to that? Those micro advantages that Bryson has been obsessively talking about he could pile those up too, even more so. But yeah, obviously it is a reminder that if they're hitting at the same distance, Bryson has had that much more success. All the other little stuff, the chipping, the putting, proximity with the uh, the approach game, that all really adds up too. The, the thing that, that you said about those micro advantages, at some point though, we don't know what they mean when like Cameron Champ has those advantages as is. He's got them. Like he's, because it's, the difference between him and, and the average tour player is where those micro advantages come into play. So if he gets like 10 more yards, is that a huge deal for him when he's already at the end of the scale? Like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. But did anything else that he said surprise you? I mean, I just liked the 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 energy that that brought out of him. The, the laugh when he said, you know, he's just going to keep his mouth shut, I think was... He cackled probably the most relaxed moment of the entire interview. Uh, And it was, you know, he said it all by saying nothing, I guess. And yeah, he's been, you know, really Cameron Champ, just if he could, this is such a big if, but if he could do some semblance of what Bryson has done with his putter, then sheesh, you know, he could jump way up because that's where he's been losing so many strokes thus far. That is another thing. We, we keep talking about Bryson and, and his 2020 year. The putting, we can't forget about it. If Champ were to putt like that, be a top 10 putter, he's going to be a top 10 player. I think that's probably fair to say. Definitely. Anyway, one of the main reasons we wanted to talk to Champ is because he is very passionate about equality and particularly in golf. And we should all be passionate about equality. But he has decided to be a leader in the space. And so 
when Augusta National announced that Lee Elder would be honored with the ceremonial tee shots and two scholarships in his name next April, Champ said, I'm getting involved too. He decided that his foundation would fund two, two golf scholarships at Prairie View A&M. That is an HBCU that is very closely attached to his family. And the name of his grandpa, Mac, is what the, the scholarships are named. Uh, it's one boy's scholarship, one girl's scholarship. I personally had a lot of questions. You asked just about everything I wanted to be asked. You asked him a bunch about this, and this it was kind of cool to kind of hear him get going on it. This is something he's clearly very passionate about. So back to Dylan and Cameron and conversation on what he's been up to with his foundation. All right, let's get let's get to why I really wanted to talk to you, and that's um, the decision that you and your foundation made. You donated forty thousand dollars to Prairie View A and M, which is an HBCU in Texas, to establish two scholarship funds for uh, student athletes on the men's and women's golf team. Uh, tell me how this came about. This this is really cool news. It's really exciting. Uh, tell me what inspired you and your foundation to to make this move. Well, I mean, our foundation is about, you know, back home, our main position is really just to try to target, you know, inner cities, the minorities, with obviously using the game of golf as our platform. Now, it's not, you know, we're not forcing everyone to play golf. We're using it as a platform, but it's really just getting the kids involved in, you know, STEM education, you know, mentorship, tutoring. And obviously everyone who knows my background knows we didn't have anything really at all. You know, my parents really sacrificed really everything to get me where I am now. Prairie View is only about 15 minutes from where I live now. Mm. Um, and I know quite a few of our close family, family friends have, have gone there. Some have played golf. You know, for me, I just feel like, again, with how the year has gone, with with how how just sectioned off and how race has been such a hot topic, and obviously Prairie View with it being so close to me, you know, I feel like it was it was a great fit. And, and like you said, we have family friends who have gone and played golf there. It's, it's a great school. It's growing. So, you know, for us, it felt like it was a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about it is that it feels like you have really put your um, put your face and your energy and your voice behind um, certain causes, whether it's it's the, the Foothills Golf Course um, and now this. And, and you've gotten increasingly comfortable, it feels like, um, speaking out. And, and I'm wondering what what's that like on the PGA Tour? Because you know, a lot of your peers, basically it's, it's like the less they can say the better, essentially kind of try to try to stay silent on pretty much as many things as possible. What was it that made you comfortable speaking out and what's that been like? I mean, from the start, I really wasn't comfortable because I knew what was going to happen if I say something. So with Brianna Taylor and just the stuff that's been going on and then the whole Jacob Blake incident, that just bowled over for me, mm-hmm. um, especially my family. So again, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all one. You know, it, should, it shouldn't be about color or be about where you live or how many money or how much money you have. None of that. You turn on the TV, you're it's 99% Caucasian male. So, you know, if, you're, if people are talking about growing the game of golf, we're missing a whole section of the of the world or of the United States. One, it's too expensive. Two, it's been predominantly just a white person's game. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, the tour, like I said, I knew what I was getting myself into. At that point, I was just so fed up with it that I felt like, you know what, regardless of what happens, I have to speak what, what's on my mind and what honestly is the truth. It's true, hard facts. And just trying to coordinate the proper ways to do it. Um, because, again, you know, inner cities are a lot different than middle-class neighborhoods. You know, you can't just walk into the inner cities and just expect to get their acceptance. So there's, there's definitely ways to do it. And, again, I'm 
more than open and willing to do as much as I can, especially my father, um, you know, to make change. What was the feedback like initially, um, both from other people on tour and then also just from the world at large? Honestly, I know my agent, I'm told, obviously there was a lot of, again, it's a very small percentage of just ignorant, naive people, but just obviously, again, the most ignorant comments you can make. So, again, I already knew that stuff was coming and people are going to make their assumptions of try to guess of who I am and, and just my values. And again, you know, it's, I knew it was coming. And as far as the tour, there was a few guys who said something, but again, I knew it was, it's a very uncomfortable situation for a lot of them because, for one, a lot of them didn't come from an area like I did or worse and, and, and have never understood poverty. So when you don't understand it at times, it's, sometimes it's hard to, again, whether it's speaking up or just, just anything like that. It makes a, it, you know, I, I get it. It's a touchy subject because the times we're in now, if you say the wrong thing but you mean another, it can really backfire on you. So, you know, I'm not saying anything negative at all about anybody on tour or the tour in general. Yeah. Well, it does strike me as, as particularly unfair because it, it puts the burden on you to, A, not only go through that experience, but then also you the burden is on you to have empathy for other people to react to, to you kind of speaking out. So I know you're not saying anything negative, but it does it does strike me as a little bit unfair the way the burden just gets doubled down on you. Well, we'll leave it at that. I'm just saying, again, you know, obviously once things get going and obviously I have the tour fully behind us and mm-hmm. um, there's some other players. I know Charles Howe has, has been getting involved, which is amazing. Um, so, again, it, it's it's the start. How much of this comes from your dad and from your grandfather, um, this sense that you should speak out for the right thing? I mean, I think a lot of it comes comes from my just my family in general i mean obviously yeah. my, my my grandfather for sure because i knew if he was here he would do the same exact thing because again i think a, a lot of my understanding comes from really him and what he had to deal with and comments that you know that was so long ago and i'm like you realize there's people still living from that generation yeah. so it's not that long ago i mean we're talking about the late 80s early 90s before right. i mean and then it led into the early early 2000s with mass incarceration. So I can go on and on about this stuff. So it's it was it was no more than 25 years ago. I um, mean, it's obviously still going on. But I just think a lot of my again wisdom and 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 wanting of more change really came from him. Um, and like I said, just understanding the culture and the stuff he went through in, in my family and and the whole champ side um, and how that's affected all of them even till this day. Um, you know, with the same as when my grandfather wanted to marry my grandmother, when he wanted to come back to the States, well, if he came back to Texas um, at that time, he would have he would have been sent to a um, military jail because he couldn't marry a white woman in Texas. So that's why we ended wow. up in Sacramento. That's why we ended up in um, Sacramento, California. Wow. So, um, you know, stuff like that changes, people don't realize it changes people's lives and moves them in the directions they don't want to go. Obviously, it worked out great for my family, but a lot of people back in the day, it did not work out so well for them. Well, I got to say, it was very cool seeing you. Uh, well, you wore the the one black shoe and one white shoe, I think starting at the BMW. I guess you've worn it a couple times in the past also, but I think you wore it on Sunday then at the Masters. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I wanted to do something, um, like I said, just a, just a tribute to my grandfather, really, and, and, and just our community. Um, and I thought, you know what, that's a that's a prime spot to do it. Masters is probably my favorite tournament. And obviously Lee Elder with 
with the Masters allowing Lee Elder to be um, honorary starter, um, that was amazing. So, and again, Lee Elder was the first ever African American to play in the Masters. So, um, that was that was definitely cool to see and 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 to witness. Awesome. All right. Well, congratulations on on getting married, on the new house, on getting a couple weeks to uh, to rest up. Uh, you're let's see, you're a career high world rank right now, sixty seven, and uh, yeah. and on the rise. Oh wait, I've got one more. I have one more piece, or one more bone to pick with you. We got Cameron underscore Champ is some like nineteen year old dude with two hundred ninety three followers. I'm looking at him right now, and you are relegated to Cameron double underscore Champ on Instagram. What's up with that? That's just how it. I don't know. That was just. I didn't. I didn't even make it. So, and we've been talking about changing it because people, if plus you. Unless you follow me, um, that's yeah. that, that's basically what people find. So we're we're in the process of trying to fix that. That cracked me up. I was looking to see what you've been up to, and I, I stumbled on a little little blonde boy with 300 followers. So sore subject, I think. All right, Cameron, we'll, we really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Perfect. Thanks. All righty, Dylan. Major thanks to Cameron Champ, but let's talk about why this move from him was so impressive to us. Yeah. Well, I really liked talking to him about it and, and really just listening to him because you realize just how much thought and, and emotion and passion goes into what we as the public then see. So if he issues a release or if he decides to make a, a public donation, Clearly, there's a lot that's gone into that. I mean, sometimes we talk about, oh, why why aren't other PGA Tour players taking stands? Not just necessarily on racial equality, but you know, in general, they they don't really say that much. And a lot of the time, it's because the people that are surrounding them are probably not pushing them to do so. And with Cameron, you can tell that his crew and his circle was at the point where you know, they were all talking about this and, and it was like, look, you're in this golf world. Something needs to be said. Something needs to be done. And I, I really liked him talking through that process a little bit of, yeah, this is not just a positive thing of, oh yeah, let's, you know, let's do something that everyone can feel good about. No, he was fed up. Like he was fed up with what he was seeing around the country. And I think frankly, a little bit uncomfortable being in a league where no one was really saying anything. So, you know, it's not fair that he had to be the one to do it, but, but it was definitely cool to see him take on that leadership role. Uh, I, I was just impressed when I started to like try and boil it down because I'm 28. You just turned 29. This guy's 25, turned 25 this summer. Like no one else on the PGA tour is going out there and saying, look, I'm not okay with what's happening in golf around the world. You know, he, in his press conferences this summer, he was citing statistics and various things at the BMW championship. He's the one writing Brianna Taylor on his shoes and no one else in golf is doing this. People that have had 30 year careers before him that are still out there on the PGA tour are not using their platform. And he's like, you know what? I'm 25. I don't even have half the platform that I will have one day but I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it right now and I'm going to try to cause a stir. And he had Nike backing him and he had the PGA tour backing him. But what was interesting is he didn't really have the rest of the PGA tour, like coming to his aid. That was striking what he said about 
getting support from the rest of the tour and, and really the feedback that he's gotten. I mean, look, he went out of his way to uh, give everyone the benefit of the doubt, to be empathetic. He, he totally said, look, if you've never been poor, you can't understand poverty. Uh, he, he said, look, yeah, I understand these, these guys just don't really get it. He went out of his way. I mean, it's, it's an unfair burden. I mean, look, here we are, two, two white dudes talking about this. We're certainly in over our head doing our best. You know, it, he, he not only has to experience this inequality, growing up in poverty, being one of the very few uh, black golfers on tour, he also then has to go the extra step to say, look, I'm going to give you guys grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be empathetic towards you guys not understanding my position. And I think that has to be a pretty solitary place to be on tour. And that was one of my big takeaways. We always think about the PGA Tour as being, you know, all these guys, they're all buddies, they're all chopping it up. And yeah. by all means, yes, I think guys are friendly to Cameron Champ. I think that the guys like Cameron Champ. But it sounds like he's a little bit isolated out there. Like he's a little bit on an island. And speaking out has probably made him that much more so. And that's really tough, and, and and he has that much more respect from me for, for speaking out, knowing that there are those consequences. Same here. It was just incredible to me during the BMW when, you know, he, he tweets out an image uh, of his shoes and gets a retweet from the PGA Tour. He has a long statement attached to the image saying what he believes, and only one other PGA Tour player in within the first, like, 24 hours is retweeting it as well and it just was like damn he really is alone uh which is just a damn shame but you know he's forthright in it and it's pretty great to see him double down with these scholarships what it was interesting to me is that uh he took his cue from augusta national and not long later phil mickelson and the match is donating a bunch of money to jackson state and hbcu and then today the PGA Tour announces we're going to give $500,000 to various HBCUs. It's so interesting that it's happening right now in 2020. Feels like it's in response to many things. Feels like it's in response to Cameron Champ himself. Uh, it's awesome. It's a bit of like a, it's not a tidal wave, but these are ripples of golf doing good. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's cool to see golf step up in a space where they've historically and continue to be behind the eight ball. Um, and and pretty simply, we just have to keep thinking about this because it's really easy, again, as two white dudes in the space who are surrounded by a lot of white dudes in the space to, to you know, let these difficult conversations slide by and figuring out ways to make the golf world look more like America as a whole and the world as a whole is something that that we should, you know, always keep in mind while we're enjoying the the rest of the benefits of being in this world. So I definitely appreciate Cameron uh, chiming in, being empathetic, being patient, but also saying, look, I've had enough of some of this stuff. Let's go. And, uh, and props to yeah. him for, for taking some action. For more on this, you can find a bunch of stuff on golf.com. I wrote a story about Payne College and the, what's going on there at the golf teams, and we're going to keep covering it. So stay tuned for another Drop Zone. We'll see you in one week.